there was not a live stream of the resurrection. It did not take place virtually. There are a lot of manipulations that one can do virtually. I don't know if you've been on a Zoom call recently where someone puts a background as if they're in the Caribbean or other places like that. It's easy to switch around. Or I can do things like this and I'm suddenly, whoa, look, hey, I'm in the Garden of Gethsemane. Wow, that's so cool. I traveled here. And look at that olive tree. I bet, I bet that was around when Jesus was there. Or we can go like this and be like, oh my gosh, I'm in the, the Sea of Galilee and I'm about to fl- drown. Ah, ah, like a lot of things you can do. There are all sorts of tricks that one can do visually. And those are just like public domain tricks. If I actually like paid money for stock footage, it would have been, it would have been really impressive. I could have put myself inside the, the tomb or the cave and rolled it away and said, ta-da! Lots of things that you could have done. But the resurrection was not a trick. People just don't come back from the dead. This is true today as it was 2000 years ago. There wasn't just this gullible nature in people that made them believe wild things. People coming back from the dead is still pretty unbelievable. It is hard to believe. Even folks who believed supernatural things often don't believe this supernatural thing. Orpheus was not able to bring his wife back from the underworld. The dead stay dead. Many in history have tried to make sense of Jesus and avoid resurrection. Some claim his followers straight up lied. Another claim is that he just had really, really big lungs. When faced with things that are hard to believe, a common response is to not believe it. But there are things that are hard to believe and there are things whose existence would make us have to change. For instance, the existence or lack of existence of the Loch Ness Monster has no effect on my life. It's like, oh no, I'm at the Loch Ness. Look out there. Do you see Nessie? Do you see? Wait, that way. Do you see Nessie over there? She's there. Like, this has no effect on my life. Whether or not it exists, great. Um, or not, fine. It's fine. It doesn't, it doesn't really, really affect it. The thing about Jesus, though, whether the resurrection is true or false has an enormous impact on me. And not just because I am... A Christian, not just because I would be proven right, that has very little to do with it. The resurrection of Jesus Christ makes a claim on all of creation that death has no more victory and that all will be redeemed. We have seen the beginning of the redemption of the world. We have seen it. It is, it is not just an idea, but a concrete event that had witnesses. It is not just about, about this, but as First John says, it's about what we hear and what we see, and what we gaze upon, and what we touch, what we're able to touch, this is what we proclaim. If we do not proclaim the concrete actions of Christ in the world, if we cannot claim to see and hear and touch, we are not proclaiming the word of life. There's no simple intellectual assent to Jesus rising from the dead. If you don't believe, there's enormous apparatus of knowledge that justifies that lack of belief. Nobody is an island. No idea exists apart from others. If we believe, we see and understand that belief in how we live. Not only in following rules, but in seeking Jesus still. And living as changed people. As Paul says, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. But if he did, everything is different. 
The change in difference is yet to be material in the way the ris- it was with the risen Christ. There is a material change that happens with resurrection. As Herbert McCabe writes, the resurrection surely does not mean that Jesus simply walked out of the tomb as though nothing had happened. On the contrary, contrary he is more present, more bodily present than that. But he is nevertheless locally or physically absent in a way that he wasn't before. The resurrected life of Jesus is not like the pre-resurrection life. It is fundamentally different. The disciples on the Emmaus Road do not recognize Jesus. Thomas does not recognize Jesus. Movies struggle with this because the same actor usually plays Jesus before as after, and no amount of makeup is equal to actual resurrection. Our bodies matter. Most of the time, the church takes this very seriously. We worship in mind and body. We stand and greet. We share communion. We share potlucks. We lay hands to pray. In this season of distancing, it is easy to drift into the easy faith, which says that bodies don't matter much. Jesus' broken body on the cross matters. As, As Herbert McCabe says again, the cross is primarily about the failure of Jesus about the collapse of his mission and about his identification with the most miserable of people. Because of the cross, whatever our sufferings, whatever betrayals we have to face, whatever tragedy or misery we are caught up in, we can say not only that God knows and understands us, but that he knows about it from personal experience. The sufferings, the privations we face are not foreign to God because God had a body in Jesus, a body that was broken. But the broken body was not the end of the story. The seeming failure of the cross was actually the victory of God. So if Jesus rose again and his body changed, what does that change for us? You may be asking yourself this question, what does it make for me? What difference does it make to me? But there is no subjective claim about resurrection. Jesus doesn't like rise in my heart and not rise in that person's heart. Either bodies can rise or they cannot. Either death has been defeated or it has not. Either resurrection changes everything or nothing. It is kind of like you can't be a little bit pregnant. You can't be a little bit resurrected. Jesus didn't have a partial resurrection or just a spiritual one, but a bodily one that changes our spirit. Spirit can be an empty phrase or a hollow signifier in that everybody has their own definition of what is is spirituality? What does it mean to be spirited? Will, as well, is a a term that can be kind of empty. Desire, though, desire gets to the heart of the matter. The resurrection changes our desires. What do we see as good and as possible, as praiseworthy? The resurrection of Jesus Christ transforms our possibilities from desiring what gives us pleasure immediately to desiring what Christ desires. Sacrificial, self-giving love. The transition in the Christian life is not from from doing bad things that are fun to doing good things that are not fun or boring. The transition is the rightly ordered life that sees those same bad things now as, as quite boring and sees sacrifice and prayer as the most thrilling activities in human existence. Resurrection offers us the freedom to redirect our lives towards our own future in Christ's resurrection presence starting here and now. This day, we can live a resurrection life by transforming what we seek to get out of this life. What is our goal? 
What is our end? What do we hope for? What are we hungry for? What is worth fighting for? These are all lofty, somewhat impractical questions, but Jesus keeps us deeply embedded in the practical. Do this in remembrance of me. Go and baptize. And then on Monday, Thursday, he says, I am going to wash your feet. What resurrection should compel to us is to seek the resurrected body of Jesus here and now in concrete ways. And amazingly, we can. Christ is not this ghost or hologram, but is actually present in what John Wesley calls the means of grace. These are things we can do to see and to touch the resurrected body of Jesus. Pray, read, worship, fast, feed the hungry, free the oppressed, clothe the naked. We see in Matthew 25 where Jesus will be after the resurrection. He will be with the poor, the hungry, the oppressed. And you can say, well, well, Pastor Wilson, you say all that, that all the time. I know the things I should do. Yes, 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 I know the things I should do. But, but that's, that's the point, the should. It is so easy to see faith as an obligation. It is how it is often presented. Act a certain way, listen to certain things, don't do other things. But faith is more about what we want. What do we desire? Do I want to see Jesus? Do I want to be with Jesus? Or do I want to satisfy myself? But wait, this is where resurrection gets a little crazy. What if the ultimate way to satisfy all my desires is to look for Jesus and to offer myself to others? Because we are not alone. God did not leave us alone. The Holy Spirit is with us to work inside us, transform us, shape us, prepare us. Christ is risen, which means you are free to love, which means you are free to let go of pride, which means you are free to not have to prove yourselves to others. You are free to not keep up with the Joneses. You are free to love your neighbor. You are free to look for Jesus in the face of the poor. How do we start? We start where we are. God meets us where we are, right where you are, right in your chair, in your car, in your back porch, wherever you are. Christ is meeting you right there. But God does not leave you there. COVID-19 can be overwhelming. There's so much need here and around the world. So much to be done. So many hurting. How can we know who to help? How can we know what to do? We have to start where we are with the people close to us. The poor are not just far away. The broken and hurting and lonely are not just far away from us. Loving and serving the poor is not a quest to find the most efficient use of our resources. That is, God doesn't call us to only give to the very hungriest person in the world. When Jesus feeds the 5,000, maybe some of them were not super hungry, yet he still fed them. Maybe some of them kept the food and then sold it and bought some wine, yet he fed them. Imagine how long it would have taken if the disciples means tested every person to see if they were worthy of being fed. Imagine what kind of God would means test people like that. That is often how how Christ is presented in popular culture, often always looking over our shoulder, checking if we are naughty or nice, like a Santa Claus that doesn't even bring us presents. Instead, for Jesus, we are already loved. We are already worthy. We are fed as pure gift, not as efficiency, out of abundance. 
This is a broken world and that brokenness is all around us. That brokenness is in us too. We are not separate from this world in need of redemption. We start with our neighbors, your literal neighbors, to your left and to your right. Start writing letters, baking bread, getting out lawn chairs. Start thinking about what you can do and not what you should do. Jesus doesn't feed the 5,000 by setting up a committee. He asks if anybody has any food. And there is a boy who says yes. And they start from there. Do the things you can do and God will be there with you. Start loving your neighbor in a new way and you will start seeing God in a new way. The resurrection is not virtual. It is not a trick or just simply a story for children. It was redemption. The cross is a cruel, cruel joke without the empty tomb. Christ's death defeated death. Christ's death shows new life. Christ's new life is offered to all, to you, to me, to all the world being redeemed. And we can step into this new life now. Christ is risen. Rise with him today. Leave selfishness behind. Leave pride behind. Let us step into God's love. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.